Welcome to Mad Dogs and Englishmen, Volume 2, or Number 2, I guess. This is Kevin, one middle initial Williamson, with Charles, two middle initials Cook. And, uh, Charlie, what do you think about 2016? Well, I think we should stop talking about 2016, but I also think we should stop focusing on the presidency as a matter of general principle. I, I'm reasonably tired of having conversations with people about politics in which they say, well, we won on a particular question. Well, the president, the incumbent president, won re-election. That doesn't do true. And the Senate remains in Democratic hands. But the House also went Republican. Three-fifths of the state legislatures went Republican. Uh, The governorships, I should say. A majority of the state legislatures. All of these offices matter. They all won. And just because the president is probably the focal point and it's really the one national figure doesn't mean that we have to obsess about it as if it's the only arbiter of our national politics. And yet that's what we do. And I think that's probably why when it comes to 2016, two years out, more than two years out, we're, we're, we're looking at uh, who's going to be the next guy. Yeah, I think it takes a certain amount of chutzpah for Barack Obama to go to the House of Representatives and say, I won. And they're all saying, well, we won too. John Boehner won his election too. So, uh, you know, everyone sitting in a position of power in Washington won. And, uh, yeah, this is a focus on the presidency, this increasingly kind of imperial cult-like attitude we have to is creepy on on its own merits, but it also distracts us from other things that are important, like who controls Congress. You know, Congress actually decides what tax rates are going to be. Congress actually appropriates money. If you want to get rid of cabinet departments, it's going to be Congress that has to do it. And uh, we should really you know, focus on those things. But people get so crazy excited about the presidency. And I understand the importance of that because of you know, appointing judges, who's going to be in charge of the EPA. These are all important things. But you know, I wrote a corner post yesterday about Rand Paul and the effect he's having on the Republican Party. And I get an angry tweet this morning. Well, I can never support him. He campaigned for McConnell. That dog won't hunt in 2016. Well, okay, you know, there's more to what Rand Paul is going to do in American politics than whether he's the next president or whether he's a nominee or whether he even survives very long into the primary process. You know, there's other Republicans, there's other conservatives, and there's other things to think about. And personally, if I had a choice between having conservatives, and I don't use that term, not Republicans, but, you know, guys like Rick Perry controlling a lot of governorships, and uh, a real, sane, adult, grown-up, conservative majority controlling Congress for the next 20 years or 25 years, fine, you can have the White House if I get that in exchange, Uh, even though it's going to have bad effects on things like the courts, because these things really matter, but we're so focused on this one guy. You know what I think it is? I think it's short attention spans. I think it's easy to pay attention to one guy. Right. You know, it's like Hollywood movies now. Uh, They tell scriptwriters, make sure that the star is in every scene because people only focus on one thing at a time. You, know, you can't do a Dickens plot anymore with 25 characters or 30 characters because people just can't follow it. Yeah. So that's 2016. Stop asking about it. <laughs> well, I just want to say one more thing, and that's stop asking about it to conservatives too. There is this idea, and it has a lot of merit to it, that Barack Obama is particularly imperial. Uh, now, we have these cycles of imperial presidencies. We're in one at the moment. And George Bush was, to an extent, especially in the foreign policy realm, which is more of his area constitutionally, but nevertheless, he did step a little bit. Barack Obama is especially so. But conservatives like that when their guy is in office. They liked it when Reagan was this big celebrity. They like it when George W. Bush puts on the flight suit and plays the hero. And conservatives need to start reminding people, if they're genuinely Calvin Coolidge fans and big on limited government, 
just stop focusing in on the president all the time. You know, until Jonah wrote liberal fascism, conservatives had a lot of nice things to say about Wilson. Who I <laughs> and think, Roosevelt. Teddy yeah, Roosevelt. I think you and I would agree is probably the worst, most imperial, most disturbing guy ever to be in that office. Absolutely. So for our second topic, this is sort of to do with the presidency um, and also to do with, with the minimum wage and the, the economic debate, is that the president stood up in the State of the Union and he said, give America a raise. Now, that really annoyed me as, as, a, as, a, as a libertarian because, firstly, that's not how it works. But secondly, I don't want the public starting to believe that we all get together and decide how much people should earn. Yesterday, Gap announced it was going to raise its minimum wage uh, to $10, and Walmart is considering doing the same thing, voluntarily in a technical sense. But is this appropriate? No, of course not. I mean, first of all, there's no one in Washington who really knows much about how businesses operate. Well, I mean, maybe a few people. But if you look at them collectively and their output, they're idiots. You know, you don't want them in charge of anything. But they have this idea that businesses set wages just by magic, that there's some guy or cabal of people sitting in a boardroom somewhere saying, ah, how can we screw the poor burger flippers today? <laughs> you know, I was in college in Austin, Texas, 1996, when I finished up down there. I had a little thing I used to call the Austin Economic Indicator, which was a Taco Bell across the street from the University of Texas campus. And the last days I was in Austin in 96, they were offering people, now do the math and the inflation adjustment, 10 bucks an hour to work at Taco Bell, plus a $1,000 longevity bonus if you were there for 90 days. Now, were they were doing that because they're generous and because guys were sitting in the boardroom saying, hey, let's pay more for labor. No, because in 1996, the tech boom was at its height and you couldn't hire people in Austin, Texas to work at Taco Bell. It was just impossible to do. They were doing other things. You couldn't hire a University of Texas student to do that sort of thing. Our problem isn't that the minimum wage is too low and needs to be raised. It's that demand for labor is too low and too many people are earning at or near the minimum wage or not earning anything, the real minimum wage being $0.00 per hour, and that those are the sorts of jobs that people are interested in. You know, in an ideal world, on our first topic, no one cares who the president is because it doesn't matter. In an ideal world, no one cares what the minimum wage is because no one makes it. And that's the real problem with our economy is the demand for labor is just low because the economy sucks. Right. In an ideal world, as the New York Post Frank Fleming said, the president would be elected and then we would never hear from him again unless there was a war. In an ideal world, you would hear Republicans and Republican candidates saying precisely what Kevin Williamson did about the minimum wage on the morning television shows. That, of course, is not going to happen because they want to get elected and people aren't very smart. So, more people should be listening to Mad Dogs and Englishmen. Find out where it's at. Join us next time.